Welcome to Music is the Drug, the Cowboy Junkies podcast. You'll find us at all good podcast outlets, so please subscribe and make sure you never miss a single episode, including our upcoming special on the new album, Songs of the Recollection, out next week. I'm Dave Bowler, and I write the biography of Cowboy Junkies, Music is the Drug. This week, with the help of Michael Timmins and Alan Anton, plus a few rare recordings along the way, we'll be putting Mountain under the microscope, if you see what I mean. The song comes from 2007's At the End of Paths Taken, and we'll be taking an extended look at that album next month to mark its 15th anniversary. That album was the start of what has become a more regular songwriting partnership between Mike and Alan, a very conscious move to offer a new perspective to the band's music, as Alan recalls. It sort of came about because um, we were really looking for a different approach to um, putting the songs together when we started that record. And um, so we had the discussion about, you know, bringing whole finished vibes to to the studio and then adding lyrics to it. But since we'd never really done a lot of that, it was, uh, you know, it took a while. And it's, again, it's a sort of a creeping in process rather than a sit down and get it done thing. I don't think Bandit doesn't really work that way. Everything sort of has to percolate and and get going slowly for us. So yeah, I think that that just happened naturally during the during the recording of that record and carried on and, and built up more throughout the next records. You speak your love, your town are gone. We're gonna love you thinking of Can you tell me how this mountain got so high? There are a few songs that were not really gelling, so again acoustic based things that uh I just brought some grooves to basically like I had three or four grooves for that record and Mike figured out, you know, what would work with it that he was already writing, working on. So, yeah, I think that was the, the beginning of, of me bringing, you know, finished grooves in, and, and adding to adding lyrics to it. Every time I play that song, you hear another piece of detail or, or something else comes out at you, which is a, after what number is it now? Ten, twelve years since it came out. That's that's a pretty impressive feat. Well, that's great. You know, then that's the idea behind that song. We we wanted to create this uh, sound collage, basically. Um, you know, we kind of threw everything at that. That you know, the, the the person who should deserve the most credit in a way is Joby Baker, who mixed it. Uh, Joby was a big part of the that song is off the um, uh, at the end of Past Taken album, and 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 Joby had a huge part in that album big part of it was he mixed most of it if not all of it all right no he mixed about half of it but he mixed that i think he mixed that song and um so we, you know i just threw a ton of stuff at him and pretty much any anybody who collaborated on that record i got them to just play you know here, here's this here's this groove that i was putting laying down let's just 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 give me a part you know one or two shots at it then that's enough walk away so I threw a ton of stuff at Joby and he put it together. And I think that's the first mix he sent me. He was like, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> it was sort of one of those songs that just, you know, we didn't, we had no expectations for what it would or wouldn't be. Um, and uh, even my dad, you know, my dad does a reading over top of it. So it, it, there's all these weird elements in there. And uh, it, it's just one of those great, I, I just love it. Like I love sound collages. Like to me, you know, noises and things that you don't, can't necessarily identify. I just love that. I love that part of the audio world and I love that part of, bands who do that there's there's lots of my favorite bands who do that even back to the beatles you know that i mean you know things like number nine i, I mean i i love that i love revolution number nine i, I love that I, I i listened to that as a kid incessantly 
And uh, so I, I, it's a it's a big part. And Al, Al's the same way. Pink Floyd, you know, probably I list them as my top five bands for sure. Um, and, and probably for that reason, I just love the idea of these things coming in and out of a mix and you're not sure where they come from. And they, so, yeah, it's a, that's the that's the idea. That's that's our reference, you know, um, Beatles, Dark Side of the Moon or, or Pink Floyd in general. And uh, and, you know, more contemporaries, people like spiritualized and, uh, you know, they do that as or he does that as well. You know, there's a lot there's lots of people who do it. It's not, it's not unique, but it's um, it's just fun. And, and, and it's and, and as you reference, you know, for a listener, I love it. And uh, hopefully this does the same where you just every time you hear it, you hear something new. Cause there's, if it's done properly, there's layers. And there's, you know, nothing is necessarily overblown. It's just all sort of sitting there trickling away and, and coming in and out. And it's just, that's the idea of it. It's supposed to, you're supposed to be able to pick your way through it and, and, and choose different things at different times and different times you listen to it. It's nice to hear something with that scale of ambition. In the 60s and 70s, we're kind of used to it, that the bands would try different things out. And that kind of, I think in the 80s in particular, that was sort of rounded off. It was sanded off things and things were very bright and shiny and simple and straightforward. Well, I think probably, you know, a lot of that is the music business. You know, I think in the, by the, you know, by the, in the 70s, you know, the, the, the business, the, the, I think the music, the art was still ahead of the business in a way. So, you know, the, the, the art was driving it and, and the business was taking that and selling it. And, um, you know, people were buying it because it's, it was, fantastic and it was inspiring and it was art and and then somewhere along the line i, I, I think the 80s and specifically and then certainly into the 90s the um you know the business started the business side of it started to drive it and and then you had people you had your classic A&R types who were you know deciding they knew what sold and they knew how to they they knew what the radio or any had radio programmers and you know these guys who who weren't musicians or were failed musicians want to be musicians and they, they decided they were decide making the decision so people who wanted to you know become rock stars listen to them and uh, things got very simple and people start, stopped following you know stop stop being inspired and started following the 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 the, the, the advice of the businessmen and um you know and, and if you followed their advice they poured tons of money into it and they were right because because <laughs> the, the million dollars of promotion made it a hit so it was kind of this weird circular thing. Um, so I, I, I think with us at that point, you know, with that, we, we had gotten out of the, that, that game at that point, and certainly we were three records into it on this record, back to being independent and really didn't have to, we didn't have to play anything to anybody. You know, we just made the records and put them out. So that was, it was very freeing for us, and that's why we did it. And that's why we decided not to pursue another major record deal we didn't want to listen to those people or, or even have to pretend to listen to them there's lots of things in there that aren't traditional junkies things i mean there's that sort of floating synth comes in there and then and obviously the strings play a, a really big part in that they were sort of new kind of additions to the to the sound at that point yeah and the the, the uh the keys for sure i mean that's 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 joby um I think you played those, and then you know, Al. Al, in, 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 since then, Al's got more interested in the keys and has started to play them more. And they, they've obviously with uh, with uh, last Re- with all that reckoning, they you know they began to make a bigger appear, play a larger part. Um, the strings, yeah, the strings were a big part of it. You know that of that whole record. Um, Henry Kajarzik was a, is a friend of mine, uh, uh, and he's a he's an avant garde composer. So you know, we wanted to put strings on this record. I can't remember why or where we got it, but I, I think mainly it's just because I, you know, I'd, I'd been hanging with him a bit and 
and thought, well, I'd like to get him involved in the record because he has such a weird sense of harmony and and uh, rhythm and you know everything that modern composers have. And so we approached, I approached him and you know gave him a few songs, a mountain being one of them. And um, yeah, he just came up with some really wacky, uh, really wacky arrangements. He's a very strange guy, but you know, really, really just hear he hears things completely different than I hear things or that Al hears things. It's this has a completely different way of hearing hearing stuff. There's a danger with, with strings that it can get a bit sickly sweet or it can be melodramatic, but there's just the right kind of drama to these. It's those sort of accents to it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that, that's exactly, that's the biggest part. That's why you kind of stay away from strings because that, that tent, they tend to, even if you, even if they're not that way, you, the listener hears them that way because they're so used to hear, as, you, as soon as you hear strings, you know, you, you, your, your brain goes to this weird uh, memory of, of bad strings on so many records. Um, so that was sort of the danger. But with Henry, I knew it, it was going to be, it was going to be more, us reining him in, him in rather than the other way around because he, he was going to give us stuff that was going to be appropriate but different. We were going to have to we were going to have to sort of find our way into them and figure them out. I think with Mountain they're a bit straighter. You know, they're, they, he he kind of does the accents. It's very a uh, little bit of cashmere in there. I think uh, so. That's they're a bit straighter on this on that song. But there's lots of songs on 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 that record that they're just weird. They're just odd. They're really cool. And again, yeah, a lot of rhythmical stuff which I like is with strings. While the Junkies had added new elements to their musical palette on this song, as is so often, the core of it is the rhythm section and the groove set up by Alan and Pete. That, that kind of a groove could have been on What's Up Earth Now, stripped down, you know? So it has that it has that kind of movement that we always had going before. So it wasn't wasn't that you know, it wasn't that different that way. But I think when what what we got into more on, on that record was uh adding layers of uh, sounds and guitars and things like that. The bedrock of it is 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 Alan Pete and that groove that they've got going. I mean that, that is a you know a really great sound right the way through. Kind of like waves or something going through it. Yeah, exactly. They they, they you know they anchor it down. That's just it just, it starts with that and 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 that that never goes away and then you just have this really open swampy groove and uh that that doesn't deviate so you can just hang you can hang anything on that right so that's that's sort of where it began and uh, we just sort of went from there with that Mike always talks about recording with with Pete, and he always tries to record him very early on in the in the process because he feels that that's when he's he's doing his best stuff. I mean, how does that work with what you're trying to do? You know, in, in terms of being a rhythm a rhythm section. Yeah, we don't really work, you know, as a rhythm section like like as you think of a rhythm section. Like we don't really 
need each other. <laughs> like he could play a groove and I could play a completely different groove. Um, and then we'll come together and see if it works kind of thing. So we don't really, uh, we rarely work up things together as a, you know, bass and drums thing. Because I guess partially because the, the bass playing is so melodic that it's not really, you know, it doesn't really work as a rhythm, rhythm thing usually. I mean, there's a few songs where I just focus on rhythm and do that, but not generally. Yeah, so Pete, I mean, Pete can just play song by himself and he often does. He plays a great groove and we build around that and we add to it. It's kind of the, the conceptual cornerstone of the record, really. I guess it pulls all the all the, the various themes together. I think the line, step by step, we take on weight. That's what that album is in a lot of ways. That was probably the first, I think that's the only record I've ever sat, the, the past Taken record, I've ever sat and decided, okay, I'm going to write a record about this and, and, and started to write songs specifically geared towards a theme. Usually the themes suggest themselves by the songs I'm writing. Like I start writing and then I begin to see themes develop. With that record, I literally sat down and and I, I wanted to write a song about, uh, you know, generations or, you know, relationships between generations. So, you know, the child to the, specifically the child to the father to the, the their father, you know, so three generations and like how I related to my father and my parents and how, how I related to my kids and, and that sort of weird circular relationship or, and how it, it, it just, it goes forward and it never, it never really, it, it never gets lighter. It never gets, it just gets heavier. Um, and uh, so that's, yeah, so you're right. That line is kind of a, that that's what the record's about, really. It's just you know you move forward, the generations get older, and they drop off, and you you get into, you you fall into the next slot, <laughs> you step up, and the other one comes behind behind you, and um, it's so there's lots of songs on that record about about that sort of relationship. And on the basis of that, obviously having your dad to to read the book makes makes perfect sense within that song. It was our first Christmas together. We decorated a tree. Yeah, you know, and again, it wasn't, you know, we didn't sort of write that song thinking, okay, we're now, the last touch will be my dad. Um, I remember we were, we had a lot of the music happening and Margo was in the studio and we were in the studio together and she was doing some vocals on it. And and I can't remember what, you know, we were just talking about the song, what it, we, were, we, we thought we needed something, one another element. And, you know, I was sort of saying, you know, I, I sort of hear voices. I want there to be voices. Again, I'm going back to, you know, we're, Revolution number nine and, and and those sorts of things are first out of the moon where there's these voices coming in and out. I sort of heard I wanted conversation or something and and I, and then I, I think probably Margot said, you know, well what about you know, it'd be good to get like dad on here or something and and then my father had just written this book about his life and uh, so it sort of it sort of be you sent it began to grow and said, Well, let me get him to read a passage, you know. So he came in and read read a passage about from his book and read it through twice and that was it. And, and uh, we just threw that on there and it, it, it made, you know, it, it made total sense conceptually as well as artistically. And, and, uh, and, and as far as the audio was concerned, all of a sudden it, it had this, it, it kind of brought the whole concept home. Like it's, it was quite odd how that happened sometimes. Now that's what Yarrow would call universal energies coming together to create synchronicity. And I guess he'd be right. 
That's all we've got for today, but next week we'll be diving deep into the new album, Songs of the Recollection. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast because you won't want to miss it. To keep up with the band and to pre-order the new album, head for cowboyjunkies.com. They're back on the road as well, so you can check for upcoming tour dates there too. If you're a Spotify user, you can also follow our growing playlist. All the details of that and everything else is in the show notes. We'll be back next week. See you then. Step by step, we take on weight. The trick is now to separate. Secure the good, leave the rod behind. How this mountain gets so high. How this mountain gets so high. Can someone tell me how this mountain got so Arctic high over Labrador. We crossed this in.